And uh, I, I, I just thought I'd extend that a little bit and go, your kingdom come in me. And that, that's not just Dave. I hope you're going to make that personal. Your kingdom come in me. Your kingdom come, O oh God. And so let's start with the, the core scripture and just remind us uh, of the, one that, the bit that we know so well from Matthew chapter 6. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, the world is made up of people. I don't know whether you've noticed. Some of them are good. Some of them are annoying. Some of, some of them are lovely. Um, but part of the challenge of being mankind on earth, being God's disciples, is we've got to rub alongside a whole range of people. I bet you there are people you love, who you get, you're excited to be with, and there are probably other people you think, uh, can I walk down the other side of the road? You probably know the kind of people I'm talking to. But the world is made up of people. And as the world is made up of people, we have to learn to see his kingdom come. And how does his kingdom come? Well, what does his kingdom look like, first of all? If I was going to say, take you to a place and say, is this his kingdom? What would you be looking for? Would you be looking for angels flying in the sky? Would you be looking for a picture of Jesus on the throne? What would you be looking for? Well, here's, here's my suggestions. And I'm not saying they're complete or in any way uh, limited, but here's my three suggestions of what you might see in God's kingdom. Firstly, a place where peace reigns. I don't just mean there are pockets of peace. A place where peace reigns. That means peace has its place. Peace has its preeminence. Peace is one of the most important things. And peace is not just without war. Peace is without strife, without struggling. If I asked you, had you had a peaceful week last week, you'd probably look back, think back and go, well, some bits are a little peaceful, but actually there was a lot of stress and struggle. You know, even driving can be stressful. Our peace can be robbed in a journey. Our peace can go like that. Our peace can go in a phone call. We can have a really peaceful time. We can be really feeling really uh, very comforted. And then a phone call can come and suddenly, bang. Number two, that justice holds sway. I don't know how many times I've heard people say phrases like, that's not fair. That's not fair. Well, justice isn't fair necessarily, but justice is just. And then the overriding thing is that the rule of love is obeyed. Prefer others over yourself. Be selfless, not selfish. And so your kingdom come has to be operated through people. It's not going to be operated through buildings or posters. It's going to be operated through people. And so when we pray, your kingdom come, that means there's going to be an agent of change, someone who's going to do something, someone who's going to be part of something happening, where peace will reign. Maybe you're, maybe you're a peacemaker. Maybe you're someone who likes peace. You don't like arguments. And so whenever you walk into a situation and you sense an atmosphere, you want to bring peace. You want to pour oil on troubled waters. You want to somehow change the level of tension. Or maybe you're someone who sees injustice all the time and you want to see something of the kingdom of God come and, and make things right. You can think of many people who've made 
justice their cause. Think of Mother Teresa, who in the, um, in the ghettos of Calcutta um, saw women and men brought to a place of wholeness. And I remember uh, reading, her, she'd been asked this question, they said, how can you, her and her group, how can you make a difference in such a sea of need, such an ocean of need? And she looked at them and she said, well, I can make a difference to him, and I can make a difference to her, and I can make a difference to her. Mm-hmm. And she said, and we've got to remember that the ocean is made up of many drops. Yes, we can, we can start to make a difference. Maybe we can't change the whole world, but we can change our world. Mm-hmm. And then, when there is no love, showing people a little love, showing people a little concern, showing people a little more of God and who he is, mm-hmm. means that his kingdom comes day by day, step by step, moment by moment. And so let me encourage you, how full is your love bank? How full is your justice bank? How full is your peace bank? Fill them up. Let's ask God to fill us that we have to give away. But here's the thing. When I say your kingdom come in me, that means probably we've got to change. Oh no, Dave, don't don't talk about change. I'm doing quite right at the moment. Everything's running all right at the moment. I don't want change. But you know, if we don't change then we will repeat the same bad habits, we will repeat the same things, we will end up repeating history sometimes. And So I just want to look at some of the things that we might see. And so I'll start with Romans chapter 8, verse 18 to 23. For consider that sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to full futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labours with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan with ourselves eagerly, waiting for the adoption and the redemption of our body. I just read in that scripture something about. We run out of ourselves, we run out of language, we run out of expression, we run out of the ability to go, oh, God. Do you ever do that? Do you ever in a situation you go, oh, something like, I don't know what your expression is, but something like that where you just, oh, dear. Oh, no, not again. Because it's the Spirit, God's Spirit, that enables us to do beyond ourselves. So I'm not looking at us and saying, your kingdom come in me without any answers. Part of the answer is God's Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit will enable us, fulfill us, and and, and cause us to groan sometimes. And in those moments, when we run out of ourselves, we run into God. And as we run into God, we grab hold of what he brings. And we grab hold of what he gives us. 
and we can use it for his glory. The first fruits of the Spirit. Now, I love that word, first fruits. It's an interesting concept, especially around this time of year, um, when, when we're kind of harvest time, when we talked about bringing our apple tree is still dropping apples, the last of the apples of the season. Uh, but we pick many of them. It's very interesting. They would say the first fruits are often sweeter. The first fruits are often just, just a little bit different. I believe, and I, I can't say I'm an expert on this, but I believe that when grapes are crushed at the beginning of the season, they produce a different type of wine. And so the first fruits of a season are full of life, full of vigor. And the first fruits of the Spirit are full of life, his life and his vigor. And then we go on to read a, a parable about sowing in the Gospel of Matthew. Maybe not the one that you're more familiar with. Not the one that produces 30, 60, 100 fold. But this one. Matthew chapter 13 verses 24 to 30. Which says this. Oh. It's very interesting. I have to read it on screen then. Another parable. He put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who has sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares amongst the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came to him and said, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it that we have tares? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? What did he say? But he said, No, lest whilst you gather up the tares, you also uproot the, root, the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And then at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First gather together the tares and bind them and bundle them and burn them up. But gather the wheat into my barn. My first thought is this. My first thought is this. You know, we, we sow intentionally. We do sow his word. We do sow with love and with care. But often something comes and spoils what we do. And we sense and we, we think, oh, that's not what I intended. We've still got to work in a sin-laden world. We've still got to work in a world where people are imperfect, where people do things wrong. And sometimes... It's very easy to see something. You can see something out the corner of your eye. You could see something in the way someone behaves and you go, I'm not sure about that. And somebody says a phrase or something and when they say that phrase, you kind of immediately jump to an assumption. Would you know, tares, tares need to be fully grown so that you know that they're weeds. The weeds. You know, I'm not an expert. Julia will tell you I'm not an expert. I have pulled up plants that I shouldn't have pulled up. I've left weeds that I should have left there. So this particular scripture really does mean something to me because I could, you know, I, I, Julia could tell you lots of stories about where I pruned the wrong thing in the wrong way. And uh, you know, well, it wasn't out of bad intention. It was about bad expertise. Sometimes you can't see the good from the bad. Sometimes you just don't know. I remember having a conversation with somebody once who said, Dave, I'm really concerned about a couple that we both knew. And I went... Why? And we had a coffee and we had a chat. And they said, well, they're talking about the D word. They're talking about divorce. And I said, okay. 
Um, why is that a problem? I'm not wanting them to be divorced, but why is that a problem that they're talking about it? And she said to me, but they're talking about it. They shouldn't even mention the word. Anyway, I said, well, here's my perspective. My perspective is sometimes we need to look into the dark side to choose the good side. Sometimes we look, need to look in the, the worst case scenario to then say, no, I want better. And this particular couple, they did talk about it. I had a conversation with them and they did talk about it. But they said, no, we don't want that. We want to stay together. We're committed to stay together. But sometimes we have to look at the dark stuff. I don't know whether you've seen the film Titanic. It's a brilliant film. It's got some fantastic moments in it. But when the Titanic sinks and there are people in the water, and there's a moment, and I don't know the characters in it, I just remember it, there are boats that are full of people. And there's no more room. And there was somebody in the water that couldn't get out. And somebody got out of the lifeboat and got into the water to lift them back into the lifeboat. Now just think about that in terms of worlds. You know, we're not in church, safe and secure and all okay. I think sometimes God wants us to go into the world and come alongside the broken and the lost and the confused and the messed up and say, let me come alongside you. And sometimes you'll hear words you don't want to hear. You want to go, la, 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 la. You'll hear phrases that you don't want to hear. And sometimes you'll have to pray because you know, you've seen things you didn't want to see. But you know, if we don't go into the world, then how is the gospel going to be proclaimed? You know, God wants us to change. God wants us to come alongside other people and share something of the life that we know and the life that we have with those who don't yet have it. And so when we preach the gospel, we preach the gospel sometimes using words. Was that Spurgeon? I can't remember. But here's the reality. So many people look at us first and see what we do, and they believe what we do first before what we say. <coughs> and so you, I, I can think of people, I, I felt this sometimes when I was a teenager. My dad would say, I love you, and I would think, yeah, but I don't see it. I hear you use the words, but you, I don't see it. What do people see in yours and my life? What do they see day to day? And that's why it's really difficult sometimes to reach your close friends and your family because they see you as you are on your bad days. And I've used this story before, but I'll tell it one more time because I, I think it's relevant. Um, we had a, um, a um, when I was a student, so it's a long time ago now. Um, but when I was a student, we were doing a, an outreach campaign with a guy called Eric Delve, and I was involved with the planning of it. Um, and the girl who lived at the end of my corridor, she shared a room, Helen and, and uh, oh, mine's gone blank, can't remember the other girl's name, but they shared a room, and Helen was a Christian, and the other, girl, the other girl wasn't, and she got invited to many, many things, she didn't, said, no, it's not for me, thank you very much. Then towards the end of the campaign, um, Helen's nan had passed away, and uh, she was struggling with that, she was finding it hard, but in the midst of her struggle, she turned to her roommate and said, do you want to come to this event? And she said, yeah, I'll come. And we had a coffee later and just had this conversation and said, what made you come? She said, well, I saw Helen. She had this perfect life. Everything was okay. And my life wasn't. And so when I saw this faith as being something that you had when you got there. So you kind of, first thing you did was believed and then you belonged and then you behaved. And she said, I'm not there. I haven't got my life yet right. And so 
But she said, the day I saw Helen wrestling with her grandma's death, and because they shared a room, she said, I sometimes heard her in the middle of the night praying. She said, I realised her faith was real. I realised that the God that she was talking to was real. And I wanted to get to know him too. And so please don't always think that we have to present our tidy lives to our neighbours. Sometimes some of the most important things that we can do is just be real. I remember leaving somebody's house one day, a couple who I respected well. um, I was just about to leave their house and they had a bit of a disagreement as we were about to leave towards the end of the, you know, and and it got a bit heated and the uh, kind of, uh, the energy went up and the pointing went up and uh, I kind of said, I think I better go now. And they said, no, 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 Dave, you stay. And they sorted it out. And, and, and then we had a bit more coffee and a chat and a piece of cake, and then I left. I said, why did, just out of interest, tell me, why did you not want me to leave at that particular point? I said, well, if you'd have left at that point, you'd have left with a picture of we're broken and we're, we've got some problems. Said, but actually, we're just working it out. And sometimes it's good to see the completed story. If we only see the beginning of the story, we can extrapolate it to many, many different ends. And so, when we said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that starts with us. And it starts with the reality of where we're at. And let me encourage you to ask you, when was the last time you prayed with someone? Just just a simple prayer. One of the things I love is praying with children when there's an opportunity. Somebody says, oh, my so-and-so is sick or so-and-so is not well. Here's the thing. We have a number of our friends who say, um, talk about our list. Julia and I's list. And really it's the church's list. And really it's what we share on WhatsApp. But people say, can you put this on the list? And these are typically people who don't have a faith, but they know we have a faith. And so they've been asked to be... Tadiwag got put on the list. You know, it's not a list per se, but that, that's the way they understand it. We're praying to God. And we have people from time to time, can you put that on the list for me, please? And that's what intercession is. Intercession is standing in the gap between God and others and saying, Lord, hear my cry. I'm crying out for this person. I'm crying out for Tadiwa. Would you hear my prayer? And so, and, and that, that requires that we get involved in the prayer. It's not just a kind of part, it's not Chinese whispers. Well, what was it you want me to, me to say to God? Oh, God, could you... It's not that at all. It's not Chinese whispers. It's not that kind of thing. It's us getting involved, getting skin in the game, and praying the kind of prayer that we want to be answered. So, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And so, as I talked about love and peace and justice, Let's be change agents in this world that we live in. I don't know whether you like the film Mission Impossible, but I, I go back beyond the films to the series that you used to have when they used to play a little tape. Somebody used to get a little tape, and then it would say something like this. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is this. And then, then there would be this little mission that was played out, and then the, the tape would self-destruct. It would go up in smoke. Your mission, should you choose to accept it today, is this. Go into the world and make disciples. And you might say, but Dave, that's a bit of a tall one. Well, it's in here. I'm not, I'm not even changing the word. Go ye into all the world and make disciples. 
And none of us have completed. None of us have got the full set of qualifications. We're all on the journey. So if you don't know what to do, ask someone. If you do know what to do, get get ahead with it. But here's the thing. All you need to do is just tell your story. As it's happening, as it's going. Hey, just wanted you to know I'm praying for you. Hey, here's a story. I prayed this prayer last month and this happened and God moved. And I'll just kind of close this back into, into, into the gospel of Tim, the, the Paul's letter to Timothy where it says, wage a good warfare with the prophetic word that's been spoken to you. And I want to encourage you, church, if God has given you a word, do something with it. Don't put it on the shelf. Do you know many of us, um, many of us would think something like this. We, if somebody gave us a request, we'd go, do you know what, it doesn't really fit in with where I'm at at the moment, so I'll put that on the shelf and I'll come back to that later. I believe when God speaks, it should be, yes, sir. Yes, I'm ready for that. Because if God's spoken and we recognize, we're recognizing his commander-in-chief. And just as we saw a brass band march past this morning, you know, they marched in step. There was somebody who was signaling how they would march together. The Father signals to us. He wants us to function together in synchronicity together. Though he can actually bring teams of people to do things. I'll go back to my story about Helen again and say that the night that she got invited, the night where she came, 13 people invited her. 13 different people invited her. And again, she didn't just talk about um, Helen, her roommate, but she talked about so many... Now, if one of those people hadn't invited her, then I wonder whether she'd have come. I wonder whether her threshold was 13 requests. Or was it 11? Or was it 10? I don't know. I will never know. But that point of, you know, if we don't do what we're called to do, we never know the seeds that we sow and the fruit that they will bear. But scripture doesn't say, sow and there you will reap. It doesn't say that. It says, sow and you will reap. You know, and we have, we have a mental picture. We plant seeds in a pot and the crest grows, the carrots grow, the tomatoes grow. But you know, that's not what scripture says, sow and you will reap. God commands the increase. So let me pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we know your kingdom's a good place. But we've seen glimpses of it. And Father, we want to see more. So Father, would you open doors? Would you open opportunities? Would you bring us to closed doors, Lord, where we would knock? And the door will be opened. We will seek and we will find and we will see your kingdom at work. Father, help us to be connected with others and help us to be part of your plan and your purpose to do what you've called us to do. And Father, help us to be those change agents. Lord, we don't want to accept a mission impossible. We want to accept the mission possible. And we want to accept that mission possible because of you because of what you want to do, what you're trying to do. And Lord, we want to say we're available. Use us. Help us to be your agents of change. Help us to be the right word at the right time. Help us to be the helping hand when it is needed. Help us to be the smile when someone needs a smile. Help us to be the encouragers, O God, when encouragement is needed. Help us to be the healers. You said, go and pray for the sick. Go and pray for the sick. So when we see sick people, let's, let's offer them prayer. If they choose to say no, that's fine. But if they say pray, pray the best prayer you can pray. Even if it's three words, pray it and see what God will do. See what God will do. Your kingdom come and your will be done 
in me, O God. Amen. Amen.